Amen. Thank you, Brother Aaron. And that was a uh, issue that people were talking about. Every once in a while while I was preaching, there'd be these strange little sounds. And what happened was the muffler on this thing rotted. And it come off. And the, sp- <laughs> the mic was just exposed. So thanks to the fellows upstairs, they brought me a new muffler tonight. <laughs> and the sounds should be better. You let me know. All right, we're going to look in chapter 6. I'm going to read verse 12 through 14. And the text is going to be verse number 14. And here's what it said. For as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may may glory in your flesh. And then this is what Paul says. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Now when I read that, sometimes I have strange thoughts come in my mind, but they're not strange when I think about them a little bit, and I believe that the Lord might be uh, suggesting that I bear it out. But I'd ask you the question tonight, uh, would, would you want others to be like you? And the reason I ask that question is that Paul says, now listen to this, I am a crucified man. I'm a crucified man. I thought about uh, Michael Jordan, you know, back when he was really uh, at his peak and everything. There was a commercial. And little kids were singing, I want to be like Mike. I want to be like Mike. Well, maybe today we might want to be more like Mike than back then because... His net worth is $1.7 billion. Can you imagine that? I'm going to call him up and see if he wants to join Emmanuel Church. (laughs) But anyway, uh, did you ever think about, I want to be like somebody. I want to be like somebody. And when we raise our children and our grandchildren up, we, we would hope, we would pray uh, Lord, I pray there's something about me, and I've actually prayed this. I've got grandchildren. You all know those grandchildren. And uh, would they want to be like Pepe? Would they want to be like Pepe? So you, you that are here, grandchildren that are here, you just tell me if that's the way it is. You say, I want to be like Pepe. <laughs> well, I don't have $1.7 billion. I might have $1.7 And I'd gladly give it to you girls. But anyway, uh, if we thought about that, would we want others to be like us? And this is, in the text, uh, the reason for that title, and the reason it came to my mind was that Paul is a crucified man. He's a crucified man. Let me read that verse again. Verse 14, it says this, But God forbid that I should glory, save, or accept in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
And then these words, he says, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Isn't that something? That's what he says. That's what he says in this, in this verse. So we have a challenge in these words to want to be like him. And I, I believe that this is an apt description of the truly saved person. I believe by this text, and of course others in the Bible, that all people that are saved have died with Christ. We've died with Him. And uh, we can't help that and we don't want to. And the Bible bears that out pretty clearly. I would remind you all that in the ordinance of baptism, we believe that baptism pictures the death and burial and resurrection of our Lord and Savior and also our desire to rise and walk in newness of life. Now, I remember the night Elliot was baptized, I had a terrible time mixing up Eli and, I mean, Eli was baptized. See, I've done it again. (laughs) I I just, those two names have just messed me up. And uh, so I call Elliot Eli and Eli Elliot. Actually, you might not know this, but Boy, if you missed that service that uh, youth uh, led uh, last Sunday night, you, you really missed it. I tell you what, there were people crying because I didn't know what they were going to do. They, they said, preacher, don't worry about it. We're going to feed you. Well, I knew that was going to happen, and that was what the one thing that brought me here <laughs> was being fed. But I didn't have no idea what they were going to do. They were going to have the service. And I tell you what, it was just absolutely awesome. And Elliot was one of them that spoke. And Bo spoke. There were several of the young people participated. And I tell you what, it was something else. It really was something else. And I was so blessed, blessed in that. But when, when we're baptized, it pictures, actually pictures not only the death and burial and resurrection of Christ, But what we believe about what God does when he saves someone, there's a killing something in our experience. There is a killing. Things change in our life. And so we could almost say tonight, well, we could say, uh, those who are not crucified are not really saved. They're not really saved. It's foolish to think of a kind of salvation experience that doesn't change people. Amen? I mean, it's just absolutely foolish to think about a salvation experience. Why would God bother if He's not going to change us? And the wonderful thing about it is that He just keeps on changing us. Keeps on. We, we, listen, I want to tell you something, brother and sister. We die every day. We just keep on dying. We keep on dying. And as we grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, we keep dying and get resurrected and dying and keep resurrected. And so the whole process, our whole journey in this life after the Lord saves us is a process of dying and being made alive. Dying and being made alive. And that's a wonderful thing that the Bible uh, teaches. And so we're thankful for that. Now what is meant by the cross? Because he says that here. He said, God forbid that I should glory save or accept in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, 
And he tells us what that is actually in the verse. Because he says, By whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. And he says, By whom, and it meaning the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who he's talking about. He's not actually talking about a uh, two pieces of wood nailed together. That's not what he's talking about when he says that. And uh, I think we should understand that. We should understand, first of all, what it's not. And it's not that instrument by which Christ died. It's talking about the death of Christ. Talking about the, his, his dying for us. That's what the cross means. Now in 1 Corinthians and uh, chapter number uh, 1, let's see if I can remember uh, where it is. Yes, verse 18, and it says this, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Now that was not a an instrument, not a, not a, a cross or an instrument or whatever. Uh, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about preaching about Jesus dying for us, and that's the wonderful truth. Now I want to share a little bit with you tonight because I, this is important to me. There are religions that worship the cross, actually the cross itself, and they are. Roman Catholics, Eastern Orthodox, some Lutherans, and some Anglican churches that actually worship it. And it's called the crucifix. And they worship that. And uh, uh, I can share with you some things related to that. Uh, our Catholic friends, they celebrate the, uh, the Feast of the Holy Cross. They actually celebrate that. They believe the cross should be worn, worn on their clothing every day. Uh, and they, they believe that, uh, they, you should actually put it on your door, above your door. And they believe that it will protect your home. Uh, and they make that sign, you know, you've seen it a lot of times, a sign on their chest and wherever, you know, the sign of the cross. The reason they do that is their belief about the cross. They believe that it is the very instrument. They believe that wearing it protects you from evil, that it wards off evil. And they believe that if there was, uh, what do you call them, that uh, uh, all that, a vampire. They believe that if, <laughs> if a vampire come along, that you could hold a cross up and keep that vampire from bothering you. Now, I'm laughing about that, but I will tell you, I really think it's not funny. It's not funny the way they think about that. I read an article not long ago that it said this, until recently, boy, when you read that, it sometimes reminds you of the change that's coming about in our world. It said, until recently, Protestant denominations rejected sacred images and religious art. Now, I can take that farther. Our church is not Protestant. What Protestant means is that it's a group that protested and come out of the Roman Catholic Church 
during the Dark Ages. That's what Protestant means. So the reason that I know we're not Protestant is because we never did, we never were a part of the Roman Catholic Church to begin with. We were already there when the Roman Catholic Church came into existence. That's the truth of history. History bears that out. And so we're not Protestant, and so we, don't, uh, we reject sacred images and stuff like that. We believe that that's, that's wrong. And so there are religions that actually believe that, and we don't believe that. And so it, it, the, it, what it means is that it's the instrument of Christ's death for poor sinners like me. That's what it is. That's what it stands for. And it was the instrument of death. Now, I want to call something to your attention. And I want you to look with me in Exodus and chapter number 20. In Exodus chapter number 20. And I'm going to read six verses there. And I'm going to make a point. Because I believe that this says something that's important related to this. And by the way, I want to tell you that over the years, I've been in a lot of buildings, uh, buildings that were built for a, a church building, and I have seen a lot of crosses. I was in one two or three years ago. I think maybe some of you were too. And right up in the front, and I believe it went all the way to the ceiling, was a cross. And uh, so I've seen a whole lot of that. I have over the years. But I want to read six verses here. This is where the Ten Commandments is found. And here's what it says. Verse 1. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt, now listen to this real careful. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images or any carved out images of any kind or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them for I am the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and up to the third and fourth generation, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Now what this is what I believe this is saying. I believe this passage of Scripture forbids the worship of God under or by any material thing. And I've said this before. You know, you'd say, Preacher, I believe you're a religious man. I'm sure that if I come to your home, I might find all kinds of pictures uh, of what people think the Lord looks like. Or some, you might say, well, I'd expect to find them all over your wall or whatever. My friend, you come see me anytime you want to, and I promise you, you won't see none of that. You will not see anything. I remember... A uh, pastor in a church in the past where there was something plastered. I don't even remember exactly what it was all over the front of the building. I didn't like that. wasn't very long that I preached it right down off the wall. <laughs> That's the best way to get it off. <laughs> it just preach it off. And so I didn't believe it ought to be there. 
As a matter of fact, when we built this building, I had several to come to me and say, Preacher, behind the baptistry, I've just got this idea for the most wonderful picture back behind the baptistry. And I'd answer it every time, I just don't want that. I believe when we come in here and sit down, you ought to look at me. I look a lot better than any picture behind the baptistry. <laughs> no, that's not true. But I believe those things can be distracting. They can be distracting. Have you ever been in a church building before and you couldn't get your mind on what was going on because of the stuff that was all over the place? And I just don't believe in putting it there. I don't believe it belongs there. You say, well, have you got Scripture to back that up? I think I just read it to you. And uh, the Lord said right off in the Ten Commandments, don't, don't make no image of anything in heaven or the earth or in the water, in the sea or whatever. And so... If I have anything to do with it, we're not going to stick nothing like that up and we're just going to worship the Lord because I believe He teaches us that. So I believe that's what the cross means here in the passage of Scripture. Now what ought our attitude be toward the cross of Christ or the, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, the preaching of the cross is the power of God Unto salvation. Well, he didn't mean that it was an instrument with two bars that were put together. That's not what he meant. It meant what Jesus did. The cross was the instrument of his death. Now, I want to remind you what Paul says here in this verse of Scripture. He says, But God forbid that I should glory. And what he says is, In anything but the cross, but anything, but I should glory. Now, I, I got, was curious and looked, God forbid is pretty strong, is that not? And I found out it was in the Bible 59 times, God forbid. And I thought, well, I guess maybe I might preach a series on God forbid, in the, but I changed my mind. I don't know whether you'd tolerate me doing that or not. I had to stop on but God because it had just gone so long. I don't want nobody to get bored with anything that's in the Bible. Amen? That's the last thing we should do. But it's found 59 in the Bi times in the Bible. Now what it means, obviously, is that God forbids certain things. In other words, when God says no, my friend, it means no. It means you're not supposed to do that. And so... He says that here. And, and they all say, it. if you find it in the Bible that we're not supposed to do it, that pretty much settles it. Amen? That we're just not supposed to do it. And to do so is outright rebellion against the Lord. Outright rebellion against the Lord. Now to put it in its context, this is what Paul is saying. He's saying in verse 12 and verse 13 that these Judaizers were glorying in false doctrine, false trust. They were trusting in something done outwardly uh, for salvation. That's what they were doing. They were insisting that you cannot be saved by just trusting Christ as your personal Savior. You've got to do something. You have to do something. Well, I've got to tell you something. Anytime you hear that, it's going to be wrong. Because we don't do anything. That's now how God saves people. And so 
they were insisting that these new converts in this uh, province of Galatia be circumcised like the Old Testament taught. And God did teach that, and there was a reason for teaching that. But under the new covenant, that was not to be done anymore. And so it was to cease. And that's what they were doing. They were glorying in the flesh, or glorying in something like that. And so the Bible teaches us that we're not to do that. We're not to do it at all. And so uh, here in the text, and I'll, I'll call that out in a minute, but in 1 Corinthians again, uh, there's something interesting in that first chapter. I'll call your attention to it again. Uh, and uh, it's in chapter number 1 of 1 Corinthians. And I want to include a lot more, a little more reading related to that. And you're familiar with this. You know what it, what it says. I know because I've made reference to it many times. But beginning in verse 26 it says, For you see your calling, brethren. I don't know about you, but I think that's a mighty important statement. You see your calling. Everybody that is saved has been called. The Bible's really clear about that. You see your calling, brethren. And here's what he says. How that not many wise men after the flesh. And I want to tell you all something tonight. This is pretty serious because it says God just don't call them. That's exactly what it's saying. God don't call them. And there's a lot of wise people in the world. There's a lot of people that are wise but not according to the flesh. I'm preaching to some tonight. Wisdom, true wisdom, uh, comes from above. Not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. You mean God selects those whom He calls? Why, sure. He's God. He's God. And He can choose who it is He's going to spend eternity with. And the Bible's very clear about that. But God hath chosen the foolish things, and this is not just foolish things, but it's foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things, I remind you again, He said, of the world. It is of the world. The weak things of the world to confound the mighty. And the base things of the world again, and the things which are despised, God hath chosen, yea, to the things that are which are not, to bring to naught the things that are. And then the 29th verse says this, that no flesh should glory in His presence. Folks, I want to tell you all something tonight. He's not going to allow it. It's not going to happen. Yeah, but couldn't somebody come along and make a profession of faith that would fall in some of these categories, and they sure could. I was, I've made reference to this several times in preaching, but we had a man one time that he had a lot of this world's good. I don't know, maybe one of these days he might be tuned into the, to the broadcast and know I'm talking about him, but I don't call no names out. But he was really blessed in wealth and this world's good. And he walked up to me one day strutting his chest out and said, I'm a self-made man. Well, you all can imagine what I said to him. <laughs> but he didn't, 
get mad at me and, and not uh, have anything to do with me no more. But that's what he said. I'm a self-made man. Well, God said he don't call people like that because they would glory in his presence. And, you know, we can glory all we want to in this world. And, you know, all of us, we have to fight the temptation to boast, don't we? I tell you what, I got the best looking wife in all this world. And I tell you, I got the prettiest granddaughters and the most handsome grandson. And they are all so smart. And they're looking at me grinning tonight back there. But, and I tell everybody that they look just like me. <laughs> and people do what you all are doing right now, just laugh. They look just like me. No, they got that back from their mothers and their grandmother and whatever. Grandmothers, I better not leave one out, but grandmothers, because we have one that is a grandmother to my grandchildren too. And anyway, but I have fun doing that. Aren't we tempted to boast? We are. We have to be really careful. Uh, have you ever known somebody that everything they talked about, they was bragging about theirs? <laughs> I got the best this, and I got the best that. And I got the prettiest this and prettiest that. And you say, preacher, you've done done it. And I said, yeah, I know I have. But I was just joking. You know, if it's joking, it ain't lying. I told somebody tonight, and they corrected me. <laughs> they corrected me about that. But anyway, we have to be careful, and we have to always remember uh, this verse of Scripture where that's found. Now, so we're not to boast. Now, there's a miracle that takes place, and I call it a miracle. I really believe it's a miracle that when we come to Christ, we die. We die. Now, the amount of time I've got left, I want you to look at some verses with me. First one is in Romans. And you can turn to these. I'll give you time because I'm turning to them. Romans chapter 6 and verse 6. And here's what it says. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. You like that verse? What that verse says is, that's the miracle that happens to us by the grace of God. In other words, something died when you come to the Lord. Something died. Let me give you another one. This one is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And verse number 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 11. Chapter 4 and verse number 11 says this. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. You remember I told you a while ago that you start dying when you come to the Lord and you keep on dying. All the rest of your journey through life you do. And he says this that the life also of Jesus Christ might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So you remember the question I asked you to begin with? Do you want people to be like you? Well, I want to tell you something. The right way that we live our life that others might want to be like us is that we live like dead men and dead women. We live like that. And guess what? It shows. All right? Another one, and you don't have to turn to this one. 
I'll tell you what it says. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 11. And Paul says this, it's a faithful saying, if we be dead with Him, we shall also live with Him. So my friend, we die so we can live. Amen? We die so we can live. That's what that says. In Romans, you don't have to turn to this one, I'll tell you what it says in chapter 12 and verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. How many of you believe studying the Bible is a beneficiary thing in your life? Because that's how that comes about. And he goes on to say that we might know what the will of God is. The perfect will of God is. Now, Second Timothy and chapter number 2. In Second Timothy and chapter number 2 and verse number 4. Here's what he says. No man that warreth, this is warring in the service of our Lord, entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Did you all ever think about yourself as being in the military and being a soldier? You ever think about that? That's what the Bible says that he's called us for. And another one, and this will be the last one I share, and you don't have to turn to it, I'll share it with you. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, if any man, now listen to me careful, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What do you think about that? You say, preacher, how am I to manifest the love of the Father? Just be who God makes you to be. That's all you have to do. And I will tell you something. If He really saved you, He killed something. And it's dead. And you, you can't. Oh, that don't mean we don't slip a little bit every once in a while and we don't become a little bit worldly or something like that. But you know what? He'll correct us. Amen? We're not perfect people. He'll correct us. Because He kills it. He kills it. Father, we thank and praise You for this passage of Scripture. And we thank You for all it means. We thank You for what a wonderful message it is to us that You forbid this. You forbid us from glorying in anything but in the cross where You, where you died for our sins and paid the price and the penalty for them that we may live and live for You, and one day to live with You. We praise You, dear God, for the blessings that come from this wonderful thought. Bless us now as we sing this closing number, and if, there's, if you're speaking to anyone, and that they might make whatever commitment that would be pleasing in Thy sight, and it be to Your glory and Your honor. In Jesus' name we pray, and for His sake. Amen. Now would you stand with me while Brother Aaron leads us in a closing number.